Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Babe, don't make a sound. 2 a.m. love, gotta keep it down. Don't wait around for a signal now. Give me some verb, I ain't talking now. You wanna ride in the six? You wanna dine in the six? But when I lean for the kiss, you said I'll probably send you some pics. And I'm like, hell no. Nah. She's an artist, a cartoonist, a Guinea's world record holder, a sculptor, and more. Appreciated by our nation with a national award, Rebecca Taylor has been a true inspiration to many young men and women across the globe. We are humbled to have her on our show and share some of her most lasting experiences through this journey in time. Like Rebecca, each young girl and boy has the potential to expand themselves. Let's share this reminder that expansion truly begins from within and society's standards or expectations has nothing to do with the quality of your expansion. So when a person has received as many awards and recognitions, um, we, we, we understand that the motivation can fade. Uh, in your case, what drives you to create and share these works of art? Also start with that uh, behind the awards and the recognition, it's really been a journey. You know, opportunities have come along the way. It's knocked uh, and I was the person who answered the door, really. Um, as an artist, um, things were different because, you know, challenges came at different times and um, you just had to address them at that very moment. But I think I think what really mattered through this, uh, through this entire journey was... I think the tenacious um, effort to sort of stay goal-oriented and stay on the path that I chose, really. Um, also, I think to remain rather persistent at the time um, that I chose to do a particular project. So whether it was a very large-scale project or something that was very, um, you know, miniature in terms of, you know, the other projects that I'd taken on, um, this seemed like um, the opportunity for me to improvise, for me to sort of work on the go, for me to think on my feet, really. So that's what it was really about. And I think the idea of my motivation not fading was because each of these challenges were different. So with these differences came came about, you know, a different approach each time. And I think that's what really, you know, kept me going. Um, and I think that's what still keeps me going. That's what drives my passion, really. It is, I believe, that desire that drives me, a stimulating sense of passion that takes me from one level to the other. It sort of fuels competition, ignites a sort of competitive spirit and sparks a social connection. I believe the most intriguing part about my journey has never been the end result, but I believe the journey in itself. I have always been process-oriented, never conforming to the conventional. It was always about drawing strength from within and to overcome a hurdle, an amalgamation of self-belief, drive and passion. Um, it was about being able to visualise, really, visualise the bigger picture and working tirelessly to make it a reality. I believe hard work is key. It's the essence of every person who has been successful in the past. All right, uh, so 
being a woman artist as you are, what are some of the common perceptions um, you've observed from from people who've seen your work or received your uh, your work, your art? Okay, so in regard to being a woman artist, well, I wouldn't say that um, my work has been gender based, really. And uh, because I didn't perceive gender as a barrier. And for me, although this, uh, you know, I, I do work in a male-dominated world, I believe that being a woman really was a very unshackling experience mm-hmm. um, simply because I was able to say things with, with a more aesthetical viewpoint. And sometimes using the heart approach always worked, you know, seeing things for what they really are as opposed to being driven by ambition. And I think uh, I think that was really an advantage. So I really didn't see being a woman being a barrier. And I think that's when, when you start to see your gender being a barrier, I think that's what creates those limitations. And I think the idea of me not looking at it as a barrier and, uh, you know, going beyond gender and, and believing in gender equality, I think mm-hmm. has really helped me Look at the world for what it really is. Beautiful. And from when you've started until today, have you noticed a change in the way art is, art is being received and art is being produced um, and shared with people? And um, have, there, have there been stereotypes, you know, in, in this field that you are, are a part of? And... Um, if if you've had if you have observed these stereotypes, how would you like them to change? Well, to begin with, um, you know, art for me started at a very early age, and um, when I say early age, I'm talking about uh, you know right from being a toddler because you know art was everything to me right from a child. I, I couldn't be anything else but creative, and it, it came to me very naturally. And so for me to, to see the way art has evolved over time, uh, you know, right through my school years and right into business, um, you know, something that transcended from, you know, a young girl, you know, perceiving the world in a very creative sense and then, you know, sort of bringing that into my, into my workspace uh, was, it, was an interesting transition uh, more so. And, yes, I have seen a bit of stereotyping in terms of, you know, what what's conventional and what's unconventional mm-hmm. but i think over time art has evolved and i think people over time have evolved uh, with the idea that art can be different art can be seen differently it's it's yeah. more really like a process as opposed to something that's set in stone and so i think people are more accepting to 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 a motion of change mm-hmm. as opposed to something that is very stagnant um, so if there are stereotypes, I believe um, you just have to address it when you're faced with one. Mm-hmm. And I think the best way to deal with any kind of challenge or stereotype is is going head on for that moment. Because if you try to preconceive anything or if you try to address an issue uh, and when you're actually faced with that issue, you're not really addressing it because you've got a pre-prepared plan. And I think most situations don't really come in that fashion and so you have to really think on your feet when you're dealing with any kind of situation yeah absolutely and and you did mention that you know art has been part of your life since you were a toddler and you mentioned that it is a process 
So just for our listeners to get um, get a better understanding and feel of where you've been, how has art influenced you as a personality through this journey? Well, it has influenced me in many, many ways. And uh, I'm sort of happy to be answering this particular question because I think everything about my life has been artistic. Uh, mm-hmm. And although I've chosen, you know, a mainstream, which is, you know, event management, which is very work-based and, you know, I sort of drive my creativity into it, mm-hmm. art for me has been a very eclectic choice. Like I've chosen different uh things you know a wide variety for me to sort of indulge in and I think that goes back to you know the motivation aspect of it because you know I was choosing things that were very varied in nature so there was things that you know like I'd paint I'd sculpt and um, you know uh, I do a whole host of different things and and painting and sculpture again sort of uh, was the broader umbrella that Mm -hmm. encompassed a whole host of different um, things that I've accomplished over a course of time. And uh, starting from the very beginning, you know, I started with uh, being very creative and, you know, attending competitions and things like that just to sort of set my own benchmark. And then I think I realised when I came to a point in my life where I was my own benchmark, Mm -hmm. you know, and um, it, it wasn't about setting that, that mark or setting that that sort of um, level for me to to beat, but I, I realised that I've I've come to a point where I believe that my own creativity is my own benchmark, and I need to step up my own game. And if I have to challenge myself, it will be challenging my own skills as opposed to trying to compete with somebody else. Because also, the interesting part about my art is it's very individualistic. I have my own unique identity. And I have my own unique style. And and so trying to ape somebody else's style and trying to compete with that style didn't make sense for me right at the very beginning. And I think that's one of the reasons why I stood out because I believed in that individualistic um, nature, that individual thought process. And wow. so coming back to the point of me being my own benchmark, was what really helped me succeed through it all. Um, you know, right from painting, I never, ever thought I'd be a cartoonist. You know, never, ever dreamt of it. And the very first cartoon that I drew, um, you know, landed me, uh, you know, a national award. And I was, I was gobsmacked because it's not something that I trained to do. And it comes back to the idea of, you know, challenges and, um, Sculpting, I I never formally trained as a sculptor, but then, you know, here I was uh, receiving a Guinness World Record for my wax sculpture. So, you know, there has been challenges along the way. And I addressed it with that very individualistic sort of sense of um, perseverance, you know, to stick to your goal, uh, be driven, and at the same time, look back at what really matters to you in the long run. You know, and that's how I've really taken art from, you know, right from being a toddler to, uh, you know, my adult life. <laughs> right. And and now you have um, this, you're a business owner, but I, mm-hmm. we met, uh, I think, a little over a decade ago at YWCA, um, where you were so socially active and you inspired me so much. So from then to now, how have you how have you grown to manage and keep keep that uh, that life also as part of your uh, 
um, part of your current current way of way of being, which is after having all of these awards and all of these recognitions and now having a, a wonderful business on your platter, which keeps you busy, I'm sure, seven days a week. So how do you make time for social activities and to be involved with the community? Mm. So, well, first and foremost, I'm absolutely humbled by what you just said. Uh, I didn't really believe that I was going around inspiring people, but I'm glad in a way I was able to. So thank you for that. Um, also, in a sense, I think we live in society. So I think becoming socially responsible is not really a choice but an obligation um, to every extent. And uh, you are socially responsible for every aspect of, um, you know, your life. You live in a society. There are things that are changing constantly. You are part of that change. And so to sit back and watch the world pass you by was never in my nature. It's not part of my DNA. I, I was always a doer. And so for me to sit back and not be socially responsible was very out of character. And so I think I believe um, it's more to do with being the best version of yourself and fitting into society whilst being responsible. Because, you know, there are people in this world that don't really have the opportunities that you have. And you really need to take a seat back. You need to take a step back and sort of um, analyse your life and where you're heading. And also how you help people join you in that journey. It's not always about yourself. It's about nurturing an idea and watching it grow and, and having people join you in it. And I think that's the idea of social responsibility. It, it's not about, you know, walking around the place and saying, oh, well, you need to be green. But there, I think you need to go back to the basics, to the very grass level of, you know, believing in everything that you do, like even as a business, uh, coming to the business point of it and, um, you know, your, my social responsibility as of this juncture, whereas where I started off as, a, as you know, a, a college student, a university student, and, um, you know, started doing little workshops for children and things like that. But then you go on into, you know, making small little projects like, you know, recycling jam bottles to taking that same pot process, which was at seed level, and turning it into an oak tree. So when I started my business as well, which is, which is quite a socially responsible business because it deals with recycling of a whole host of things, like, for example, events. You're not only recycling um, ideas, but you're also re recycling products. So every time we use a stage or a backdrop, you know, those items get recycled and reused. And it really takes a creative mind to, to recycle the same product in 50 different ways. And so I feel like, it sort of ties in, it sort of meshes in together. It's an, it's an amalgamation of both things, both worlds coming together where um, you, you bring your creative process and you look at it from a social responsibility point of view. Right. And um, coming to the aspect of, you know, exchange of ideas, um, again, you've, you've had the wonderful opportunity to travel out outside of India uh, and you've ex you've you've been able to bring your work and your art to different um, parts of the world so how how 
how has the, the, the cultural change affected your work, if at all? And um, how has it been received by people across the globe? Well, um, I would like to say that I was very privileged to be able to travel um, and I've spent a fair bit of my time between three countries. That would be India, New Zealand and Australia. And I believe that each of these places sort of added to that cultural growth, not only on a personal note, but also on a professional note. Because here I was as an individual, a go-getter, absolutely driven with everything that I do, uh, clocking in almost 18 hours a day, whether I had work or not, uh, doing something or the other. <laughs> and, so, and so I felt like with every journey, it wasn't just about boarding a plane or um, getting a visa or a passport, but it, it was more about the actual journey of arriving at a place and and taking in, sort of soaking in that, that cultural stint and then trying to stand above it all and be the best version of yourself. And I think that, that that sort of attitude helped me really grow because with it came its own set of challenges. Um, each culture perceives art differently. And so what is really, um, you know, acceptable in one culture may not be acceptable in the other and so for me it was also a journey of learning because it sort of um, gave me a quest for knowledge where I would sort of not just research based but also just meeting people and and looking at what is what is amazingly accepted so well within that culture maybe something that you never really thought of and so it sort of gives you that creative liberty to sort of work within that culture and then not only work within that culture but bring that culture back. And I think that's what really is um, a part of that whole journey, you know, taking right. this sort of baggage you don't realise you have to put on an airport scale but taking it with you anyway. <laughs> so when you say bring the culture back, have you in, in the past years, uh, in your especially your time in New Zealand and Australia, had the opportunity to um, bring in uh, parts of the Indian culture with your events or through the art there? Oh, well, absolutely. So in Tasmania, we are all about doing destination events and marketing Tasmania as an event destination. And so for me, that was a big, big uh, leap, not only of, uh, a creative leap, but a leap of faith. Because here I was, found myself in a new country, in a new place, and um, suddenly I felt very nostalgic about, you know, uh, bringing everything that was iconic about India into Tasmania because it, it's a new cultural um it's a new cultural thematic when you're talking about bringing it into your workforce. Right. And so there are challenges because, you know, if I were to do a wedding, say, for example, in, um, you know, in Tasmania and a very cultural wedding, um, then you, you're thinking of, you know, things like flowers, like marigolds and, you know, other things. And you're thinking to yourself, you know, well, it's one thing to put the wedding together, but where are you going to source these things, you know? And so it adds <laughs> that new dimension of challenges and, right. and you don't realise it. You're sitting, you know, literally at the end of the earth because after Tasmania, it is a and you're sitting there thinking, where am I going to find, you know, a priest to, you know, officiate the ceremony or where am right. I going to find And, you know, there are a whole host of different, you know, challenges and, um, 
And then when I bring Australian culture right back to India and I'm thinking, oh, well, I had all these boomerangs sitting around, but I didn't bother to pack it. So, you know, it's always, <laughs> you know, challenging and interesting at the same time. And, uh, you know, there are these little iconic uh, elements that you try to bring into your workflows, but you, you sort of take it for granted at the same time, like you're sitting in India and you don't think, oh, well, this is what I would need. But then when you sit on the other end of the fence, then you realize, oh, well, this is something I wish I had. And now I have to figure out a whole host of logistics to get it into place. So, yeah. Right. <laughs> um, you know, this is something that I tend to ask a lot of my um, uh, speakers who come on the show is in regards to the current times, uh, I mean, we we all understand and live by the concept that change is um, change is the constant, you know, and um, with with the advancement in technology and the lifestyle itself has gotten to be very hasty, if uh, if I may use that word. So com compared to then, uh, and when I say then, I mean, say a decade ago and now, um, there is there is a, a quite a quite a large difference when it comes to how people approach life you know there's a lot more stress there's a lot of, of anxiety even for the smallest of things so so I mean you've seen you've seen challenges you've seen um uh you know the, the good stuff and the bad stuff so how, how 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 would you how how would you um advice or what would be the best advice you could give you know the younger generations in regards to um approaching life and just living um a, a better quality life you know well um to start with the very first part of your question um i think change is inevitable so it's something you need to to realize first and foremost and uh more than anything else i believe the most important important part of life is relationships and and although <laughs> this may seem strange and I, I've probably used this analogy a lot uh, I do believe that life is a bit like a train journey and I only say this with uttermost fondness simply because my grandfather worked on the railways and he was a very senior officer on the, on the railways <laughs> and so <laughs> growing up was a big part of listening to trains back and forth <laughs> right <laughs> and so, and so this is where that analogy stems from. And, and the reason I'm saying this is because I think people don't realise in all of this haste, hustle and bustle, you know, mundane manic that we most of us are faced with, um, we realise that there are people who join you on this journey and it's very much like a train journey where you don't have a choice with the people who board the train with you. Mm -hmm. They step on board and... Um, yeah. They, some of them sit beside you, some of them go right ahead, some of them are right behind you. And um, it's just how it is because of the ticketing system. <laughs> so that's <laughs> <right>. <laughs> in place. And there are some people who journey uh, with you to a certain destination and then they need to hop off because that's where their station has arrived and they need to hop off. And there are some people who journey with you till the end. And so understanding the essence of that relationship is very important because, because you need to savor that relationship, whether it is for a very brief period or whether it's, you know, for a long extended period of your life. And there are some people who will journey with you right to the very end. And so with those relationships, you need to understand that 
is it something worth pursuing? And if it is, then you give it more than 100% because this is well, someone you well. need to sit beside for the rest of your journey, you know, and so, <laughs> and so you'd rather make it pleasant for yourself. And so for me, I've always used this analogy in life because it, it's made a lot of sense to me, you know, besides um, – Besides the whistle of the train and you know, by, um, it has been a very exciting analogy as well because you know you look at someone and you you decide in those very five minutes that you've met with that person, are you going to talk about the weather in English tea or are you going to take this relationship forward? And if it if you are going to take that relationship forward, then it's worth investing in it. And so for me, I, I believe that. Any age group, whether you're younger or older or um, – and if you look at the life expectancy of people these days and with the pandemic and everything else, I mean, yeah. you don't really look at your lifespan as a good 70 or 80 years. I mean, anyone can pass on at any given point in time. Right. And so I believe that the value of every day, the very mm. present, is much more valued than the past or the future because you're there in it. And if you try to – look towards the future then you you forget about living in that present moment and the and the moment just passes you by so so i believe that with any generation whether you're an older person or a younger person or um someone who's just getting into life and sort of uh, settling in you know just putting your baggage in the overhead compartment (laughs) (laughs) you're someone who needs to realize that investing in relationships is paramount it is i think what we all exist for because I think in life uh, people remember you not by the the stars you have lined up or um, the achievements that you've got or the certificates that lie in some folder somewhere but about the kind of impact you've made on their lives and I think that for me is paramount it it is the most important thing that has ever been um, something that I've always put as you know my front forte It's, it's it's always been ahead of me because I've always looked at relationships as as something that is value above and beyond and yeah. everything else will fall in place. <laughs> Absolutely. I completely agree with you. And, and it's, I mean, the most basic thing which people, given the, you know, the pressures from society and peer pressure and whatnot, I mean, there are so many angles to that right now. It's just unfortunate that, um, you know, they've got to they've got to really um, figure out uh, ways to live through Google, uh, which can be done in the most simplest ways just by understanding the, the essential aspect of, um, of relationships in one's life. Well, I have to agree with you on that one because I feel like sometimes, uh, you know, people lose the simplicity of life. And, yes, there is technology and, yes, you have to be in sync with the times. But at the same token, you need to realize what's really important to you. And so if I had the opportunity of spending time with someone, I'd rather do that than FaceTime. Um, yeah. And I feel like, yes, technology can be <laughs> can be used to its, its advantages. Right. But at the same time, you need to go back to your basics because um, what happens in a world when everything fails, you know, when technology fails or you have power cuts or, you know, I mean, life doesn't come to a standstill now, does it? And so you really need to um, build that essence of trust. Like I think back in the day, you know, friends told each other they'll be there in the evening and they would just be. I mean, you didn't have a mobile phone to ask them if they were on their way. Or- yes. <laughs> <laughs> and they were just there. So you have to build that 
uh, amazing sense of trust and belief. And I think the world is sort of losing the, those old world charms, which are very important and essential for everyday life. And I think when you hold on to those values and ethics, I think technology will only be a bonus if you're uh, using it in the right sense. Absolutely. Uh, well, I mean, with coming to the last bit of our program, I don't want to keep you too long because I did mention <laughs> did mention that I will take only so much of your time as well. Um, did, having mentioned the pandemic, I mean, I you're now you did mention that you were um, you know you were stuck in India. You did come for a visit, but how has the pandemic um, um, you know affected your day to day, if 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 it has at all? And how, how would you like to, you know, what would you like to say to the people who really are struggling out there and need a, you know, a light of hope, maybe? Uh, well, the pandemic, to be very honest with you, has affected all of our lives across the globe, um, internationally, and in so many ways, devastating ways. And um, I think through the pandemic, yes, I did come in for a 10-day business trip and then ended up staying here for almost a year and still waiting for the borders to reopen. And so, uh, yes, it has been a very anxious, uh, nerve-wracking time for me on a personal note. Yeah. But then I do see that there are a lot of people out there who've lost lives, who've lost family members, you know, who've oh, lost yeah. people who are near and dear to them. And at the same token, they've, they've lost, you know, for us as well, we've lost our business over the past year and we've still had, you know, a very difficult time coping with this whole thing. But for me, on a personal note, I, I think I use this time very well. I'm, I'm very pleased to say I used it very well. <laughs> I had all the time, suddenly I found myself sitting back and saying, hang on a minute, I've got all the time in the world to, to pursue all those things that I grumbled that I did not have the time to, to pursue. Right. And so uh, and so I decided to learn a few new skills uh, like wood carving and I managed to carve about 156 feet of, of carving oh, wow. over three months. And I, I sort of um, was very excited with the outcome uh, and I'm happy to share some visuals as well about, you know, everything that I've accomplished through this pandemic. I think it was a real time of soul searching, um, a time of uh, you know, advancing your skills. And, you know, there are times in my in my very busy life where I, I told you earlier, you know, I clock in about 18 hours a day. Right. So in my very busy life, you don't have the opportunity to sit back and say, oh, well, let's just do this and let's do this on a whim. But uh, this pandemic had given me that opportunity to sort of um, do the things that I've never had the opportunity or the time to do. So I'm writing two books at the moment. Uh, uh, I'm, you know, I've carved, I've mastered a few recipes that have been, you know, passed down from generations. And I've had a lot of quality time with family. And I think for me that was really important, you know, oh, wow. right. to take a break from everything, to take a bit of a breather. And have renewed hope because the world will come back. And I think I see a ray of hope in that because as devastating as it can be, well, what hasn't killed you, you're definitely a survivor. And if you're a survivor, then you will survive. And um, and the pandemic has come and, it, and I think it's still very much rampant. But um, I think there will be a moment where it will pass. And I think to every storm has passed, you know, back in the day. And so right. this one well, too, you know, there has to be an end to this storm. And I definitely see the horizon. I definitely see 
that that light, you know, that silver lining. Yeah. I definitely see it. It's just that it's a question of time mm-hmm. and you just have to be patient and be the best version of yourself. And I think that's the best way of coping with this, you know, stay responsible, but at the same time, don't lose hope, don't lose faith. Absolutely. Well, Becky, it was lovely having you on the show and thank you so much for making the time to be here. Well, it was a delight. Thank you so much. Like I said, I'm humbled and honoured. <laughs> I look forward to your um, videos. In fact, I do have um, a few links to the YouTube one, but I definitely will look forward to what you have to share so we can uh, share it with our viewers as well. Absolutely. It would be a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you. Here's a little something inspired, a little something to share, a quote by Alan Cohen, author of over 25 popular inspirational books. And he says, personal growth is not a matter of learning new information, but of unlearning old limits. Until next time, stay safe and spread the love. Losing all my innocence, everybody in my Losing all my innocence, everybody in my Losing all my innocence, everybody in my